and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm Skylar Sanders, here with my furry friend, Peach Fuzz, <laughs> Mason Weir. And I creep, yeah, I creep. And I creep, creep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're reviewing the movie Creep from 2014. And wow, what a what a interesting, unique piece of filmography this one is. Yeah, and if you're gonna do my part, why don't you just say what the Rotten Tomatoes score was too? I don't have that pulled up. Let me. You want me to swayze it real quick here? No, I'm gonna steal it from you. You're gonna steal it back for you. Yeah, I'm stealing it back. And today we are reviewing Creep, which came out in 2014 and got. I just eight- said that. 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. It That's right. That's right. And it also got 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. We're going to set the world record for the word creep used in context here, I think. Yeah, we're creeping. We're creeping up on the record already, probably. And creep's a great uh, title for this film because this, is, this guy is just a straight up creepy bastard. He is a creepy bastard. And the two stars of this movie also were the two people responsible for making this movie. It's an indie film with a budget of zero dollars. Whoa. (laughs) It it cost literally nothing to make. They had all their own props. They acted it themselves. They acted within their own property that they owned. This movie cost nothing but the camera that they owned already to film. That's amazing. God, what a great idea, because it's nothing but pure profit from there on out. I think it's a pretty good piece of work, considering what they put into it. Well, and the fact that it just, the movie stars two people, uh, the the director, Patrick Bryce as Aaron, and then Mark Duplass as Joseph. <laughs> uh, so that's the cast list. We did that already. No, well, don't just breeze through the cast list all right for one thing <laughs> for one thing the name is duplass okay well the, the name the name's duplass dumbass well these two guys came up with the idea for this movie they used fatal attraction the movie fatal attraction and misery as their inspiration <clears throat> we've referenced misery before it's with james con kathy bates it's the stephen king book and they also drew inspiration from Craigslist and stories of creeps on Craigslist. I mean, I, I don't, I know, I've heard of Fatal Attraction. I've never seen Misery or uh, anything like that. You've seen but, Misery. We've talked about Misery. Have we? I don't, what's yeah. it? I, I've never seen it. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it. You've definitely seen it. It's when Kathy Bates captures James Caan. Uh, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I have seen that. <laughs> Did you even watch the movie? Did you even watch the That's Netflix? not the movie. That's a whole different movie <laughs> that we just mentioned. I just didn't know the title was called Misery. Okay, and that's like a uh, 
That's a uh, what's his name? A novel from uh, St- Stephen King. Stephen King, yeah, it's a Stephen King novel. Yeah. See, I-, I know shit. Good, you're keeping up barely. You're barely keeping up the first two minutes in this podcast here. I already did the cast list and your job at the beginning in uh, explaining <laughs> all that stuff. So I'm I'm way ahead. I'm gonna take a break from here on out. You're losing the podcast because of you're overstepping on my toes here with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the lead and I'm shooting the shot. This is Mamba mentality right now. All right, Kobe. Well, well, we're going to go through this cast list with a fine tooth comb here. So you mentioned Patrick Bryce. He's the director. He plays a man named Aaron in this movie. He also directed the films Corporate Animals and The Overnight, as well as a couple other ones. Never seen those. I don't know anything about this guy. And I don't think he's truly hit it big yet nope nope i don't know anything about him and <clears throat> yeah mark duplass however yeah mark duplass is a different story i knew yeah. him from everything that he had been in previously i think i i really had only recognized him from the league he plays a character in the league which is a pretty funny television show about fantasy football which we're we're heavily involved in fantasy football and so we uh we, we've we've seen some of that stuff, and uh, that's probably a good time to mention uh, me and you squared uh, off. In the, me and you on. squared off in the league this week, and uh, who won that battle? Yeah, you raised your record against me all time from what two and twelve to now three and twelve, something like I that. I always I always play you tough. That's just my one thing of the year that I like to do. Yeah, well, good job. You did beat me in the regular season fantasy football. Bringing your win total up to four or five. So, good job. I have four or five yeah. league championships under my belt. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I just, want to, I just want to ask one question. I hope you didn't throw out that red carpet. Do you still have the red carpet? Because I may need it at the end of this year. It's still around. I know you, pray, you paid a pretty penny for that carpet, so it's not getting tossed away anytime soon. Okay, anyway. You've, you've gotten us completely off track. Yeah. Anyway, Mark Duplass. The only other movie I wanted to mention that I liked him in was a film called The Lazarus Project, also starring one of my favorite actors, Emil Hirsch, and I forget the guy. Oh, Brian Cox. If you remember him from Mm -hmm. Planet of the Apes, he's in that as Emil Hirsch's father. That was a really cool, scary movie about a uh, dead body coming back to life. And Mark Duplass was in that. So wanted to point that out. And then the final cast member, is Katie Azelton. She's what? not on she's not on the screen. But dude, you just had to stretch the cast list out. Like we had a good, yeah, nice, yep. quick cast list that was done. It's she's not quick. in the movie. She's a voice. All right. Well she is the voice of Angela, but it's important to note that she played Jenny in the league and is Duplass's real life wife. Okay. I know you really needed to know that and now you do. Right. Thank God. So, so with that, that's the cast. It's a three-man show, a two-man and a voice show. <laughs> okay. And we, and we can move on and become uh, a couple of creeps. And I creep, creep, yeah, I creep, creep. So Creep begins with an introduction to videographer Aaron. He's driving to a location to perform a day's worth of work filming 
He's been offered $1,000, and the ad, which he saw on Craigslist, says, discretion is appreciated. He remarks whatever that means, which if you saw an ad that said discretion appreciated, maybe that would be the first red flag. Yeah. Well, he remarks something along the lines of, right at the beginning, he says, what if this is just a 40-something-year-old woman that wants to – massage a guy down and give him money and uh, pay yeah, for his company. The Blanche fantasy is what that is. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever been on Craigslist, but uh, there's some, there's some weird advertisements on there and you never know what you're going to get. Well, I actually watched part two of this movie and it, it goes a little further with the weird Craigslist post thing. I don't have much experience with Craigslist, but from what I can tell, it's, it's a place for creepy dudes to hang out and get their jollies off. Well, it's actually got a different use, but people do use it for that. Craigslist is where you can come to advertise for jobs or handiwork or sell things or th- uh, stuff like that. It's- My particular favorite is the missed connections section where it's just some random person that says, hey, you were waiting for the train and I saw you. We made eye contact and you looked really beautiful. And uh, are you thinking of me too? Do you think that's ever worked in, in the history of time? That some... I can't imagine it. It would be incredible odds for that person to also see that and then recognize you as that person. Well, while we're doing percentages here, the Blanche fantasy that he talks about, how often do you think that actually happens for a TV repairman or a pizza guy or, in this case, a videographer? How often do you think you go to the home and a 40-year-old MILF wants to sleep with you? Not often at all. <laughs> so in the pizza delivery world, are we talking 1%, less than 1%? Maybe in the, maybe in the construction guy plumber world that could happen. Or, but uh, pizza delivery guy, yeah, I, don't, I, can't see, I can't see it happening too often. Well, it doesn't happen here for Aaron either. But he pulls up to the house where his client is supposed to be. He drives up the creepy driveway knocks on the door and seemingly no one is home so he goes back down and sits in his car and wonders what to do when for the first of several times joseph which is his client pops out and surprises him by screaming at him and pounding on the window i hate when people do this to me i can't stand when people just pop out and scare you just for fun oh no that's the only thing that'll make like in any scary movie that's the only thing that ever gets me to to jump or show anything is when things jump out at you or people scream or jump out all of a sudden. And I hate it too, because I'm jumpy as hell. Anybody who's ever tried to scare me knows I'm the easiest person to scare. If you stand around a corner and jump, I'm so reactionary that if I stand around the corner and jump and scream and yell at you and you scream back, I'll jump again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you fit right in with uh, Aaron in this one, because I think, Joseph goes six for six or five for five and jump scares every single time. Aaron screams like a girl when, yeah. when Joseph yeah. scares him. Ah, ah. <laughs> and he, he, he lets out some real screams too. That's good. So one of the things I want you to take note of here is if you put yourself in Aaron's shoes, right? We can assume that he needs the money and a thousand dollars a day for a freelance videographer is no small amount. That's a good amount of money. So That's a huge we- amount of money. Yeah. At what point, as we're walking through his journey here, at what point is it going to be enough for you to say, all right, I'm, I'm quitting on this job. Forget the money. 
Yeah, so, it depends depends on how much I would have needed the money and also how much I would have seriously felt in danger because the guy's given off creep weird vibes the whole time. So he should have known he, he knows and he should have known pretty quickly something's not right about this dude, but he doesn't seem dangerous really. No, and you gotta assume that he really did need the money. I, they remark on it later in the in the script. So <clears throat> when we get to that point where you're set, where, where you would say, "All right, that's enough." Just let me know because I'd I'd like to know what that would be. Yeah. Okay. That's a good that, that's a good thing to think about because I I definitely thought about it throughout the movie. So here with this introduction to Joseph, now he tells Aaron that he is a cancer survivor. <clears throat> who now has a brain tumor and the brain tumor is inoperable. And so he's going to die within the next few months. I think he says six months to live or something like that. So the assignment for Aaron is Joseph wants him to record a video for his wife and unborn child in the event of his impending death. Which is a, a, which is going to be a strange assignment for any videographer to begin with. But this guy had, Joseph has such a smiley, laughy, friendly sort of appeal to him that if it was me, I would be just like, yeah, okay, all right, let's let's just do it, and I'll I'll weather through the weird shit, and I'll get paid. Well, I like that Joseph is dressed like a theater director the whole time. His his getup is like Charlie from the uh, the Day Man episode of Always Sunny. He's wearing all, all black with the black, black hat. Yeah, yeah, very strange. Is that how all directors dress? I've known a few that direct that uh, dress like that. Few directors dress like that, but uh, not all of them. No, I didn't know if that was like industry code that maybe you you're supposed to dress <clears throat> that way when you're leading a an acting troupe or something. Well, it's typical for back of the house people to dress in all black so you can't see them. So that's pretty common. Uh, so that might be one of the reasons why people in the theater in that er- department of the theater dress like that, but not typically of the director. But he is over overly enthusiastic and friendly with Aaron and something about this. I know you, you know, you work in a public service environment and so do I, and we come across a lot of people daily that we hadn't met previously and I'm always way more creeped out by the overly friendly people that make the prolonged eye contact. I hate that. I would much rather people look at their shoes and not talk to me than, <laughs> than be like this guy, just staring you in the eyes. I hate it. Yeah, that sounds a little antisocial, but I think I agree with you. Like, I don't want somebody, I don't want somebody that looks, that doesn't, won't address me, but I also don't want somebody that's overly friendly like this guy is. Yeah, and the eye contact thing, I'm pretty sure they're using it as a device because it's meant to be unsettling, and it definitely is unsettling for me. I think Duplass, <clears throat> you know, Mark Duplass here as this, well, we don't know him as a psycho, but it's a scary movie. It's scary movie time, so we, we can assume. He's we can creep. assume. You can assume yeah, he's, he's the creep. Yeah. And I think he does a good job with it. But here at the beginning, he pays Aaron up front, and he says, there, now that you're paid, you're no longer my employee, but now we're friends. And let's let's take this journey together. Yeah, and even when he gets out of the car, he's he says, let's just get this out of the way because by the end of the day, it's not going to be weird or awkward at all. And he comes over and just gives him a big hug. And he's like, yeah, there you go. That's nice. You have such a 
a friendly, trustworthy face or something along that. So after Aaron agrees to take this assignment, they start their first video, which is tubby time. (laughs) Yeah. He says, come upstairs. We need to get in the bath. And Aaron is a little bit surprised by this, but he follows him upstairs. And Joseph is already taking his clothes off. You can see his pubes protruding up through his pants. He's getting ready to get naked and get in the tub. And for me, if I'm Aaron, right here is the biggest red flag. Anyone that's willing to get naked in front of me within two minutes of meeting me, not for sexual purposes, that it's it becomes weird. No matter what they say, it becomes weird then. Well, it's it becomes weird, but he, because he doesn't, he didn't address it beforehand. He should address it and be like, "Okay, here's my idea, and is it okay if I do this or that?" But no, he just starts taking his clothes off, and and Aaron is like, "Oh, uh, all right, well, uh, excuse me," and he's like, "No, no, come on in, it's it's fine." Uh, he's like, "We're gonna get a lot deeper than this. Don't worry." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, what would, what would you I, take out of that? How, how much uh, deeper can you get? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, nudity's not a big deal and it, for me or whatever. It's like, if I was filming a, a movie and the guy wanted to be nude and I'd be like, well, whatever. Okay, you're, you want to be naked, I'll film you. It's not a big deal for me. But the fact that it was never discussed beforehand is what would throw me and make me go, okay, no, we need to talk about this first. Yeah, well, he doesn't. Aaron? Aaron goes along with it. He's like, okay, I understand this video is for your son, so let's do it. And they get into the bath. Well, not they. Joseph gets into the bath. And this is so weird. He's pretending to hold an invisible son. He's, like, pouring water over this, you know, non-physical body. He's making faces. He's making baby noises with it. You could interpret this (laughs) as really sweet. You know, if the guy's dying and he's making a video for his unborn son and having this experience that he's probably never going to get to have. You could say it's sweet, but sure. in, in actuality, it's just <laughs> creepy and weird. Well, it, I mean, but it is sweet. Like, if, if this was really the situation, it's, a, it's sort of a sweet little thing that he wants to do for his kid. It's definitely odd, but, but sweet, you know? Yeah, it is. Like, his intentions seem pretty pure at this point. Well, his mood quickly changes, he plays with his invisible baby for a while, but then he sinks back into the tub and he looks at Aaron and he says, you know, I've got nothing but pure agony looming up ahead. My death is coming and it's, it's going to be painful, most of it. And maybe it would be better if I just ended it all. And so he sinks down into the tub and he's seemingly about to drown himself, which freaks out Aaron. And it looks like maybe he's dead or unconscious. And then he pops out of the water and scares Aaron for the second time and apologizes for his weird sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, it was just getting a bit serious there. And I thought, you know, I thought I should do something to, to break the serious stuff. Tubby time's supposed to be fun, you know. So it's a it's a it's another red flag. This is just a uh, an absolute series of red flags with this guy where just an amalgamation of how many red flags can, can Aaron ignore before he says, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah. And it's, it's really all about the money, you know, a thousand, how much can you put up with for a thousand bucks is what it comes down to. And how much do you need a thousand bucks? Yeah. So to break the tension of the bath scene, they agree to go outside together. 
Joseph tells Aaron to grab a jacket because it's kind of cold outside. So he, he walks down to the uh, closet by the front door, opens the closet, and he's surprised by a wolf mask that's hanging in there. It was a kind of a jump scare the way they had this mask hanging there. I don't know if Joseph actually meant to scare him with it, but he definitely did. Yeah, well, Aaron, this is another moment where Aaron screams like a girl and just opens the door and sees the wolf and goes, ah! <laughs> the mask is pretty scary, though, isn't it? It's a pretty frightening, gruesome mask, yeah. I would be proud to wear this mask at Halloween. Very impressive. Yeah. But the mask is called Peach Fuzz. Joseph named it that. He puts it on. He does a funny little dance and song about the wolf. Well, he, says, Fuzz. he says it's something that him and his dad used to do. His dad created this character called Peach Fuzz. And he dances and basically he wears the mask, but he says, I'm real scary, but I'm just friendly like a little rabbit. And, I, and everything's going to be okay because I'd be a great friend. And it's so creepy because the, the wolf looks really not friendly and intimidating. Well, he's definitely having some fun with it and having fun with Aaron. I think you can tell at this point, he just loved, he's getting off on fucking with Aaron every chance he gets. But he but still the, main, he still maintains a sense of genuine care. So you, you, you really still are not sure whether he's actually intentionally doing this or if he's just a socially inept person. Yeah. If he's just a weird creep of a dude. Yeah. But the two of them go outside. They drive to a place called the Heart Rock. And Aaron has no knowledge of this place, so Joseph fills him in. He says that there is a part of the water nearby. It's like a river nearby. And the water there supposedly has healing qualities. So his idea is to go out there and, and take a swim in this ocean or this, this river and hopefully heal his brain tumor. Yeah, So there, and it's going to be like a little hike through the woods and yeah and he has a whole backstory that's the interesting thing is he has this whole backstory set up that him and his wife met this taco this lady that runs a taco truck and she called it the aqua de la corazon or something which is trans translates to the miracle water of the heart or something he sells it he sells it well that's what i'm saying yeah he definitely put put in the work for this story so they go deep into the woods, as you said, and Joseph, once they're pretty far in, he runs away from Aaron and <laughs> he does this several times. He just sprints away from him. So you, you're kind of wondering, what the hell? Where did he go? Why did he do that? And that part of it's strange. But then he just pops out and scares him yet again. He said, oh, sorry, I just can't help myself. And Aaron screams again. <laughs> yeah. And this is probably the point where I would seriously consider being done with this. It's the third scare that did it for you or the runaway or what? The run the runaway and and come back and scare scare you and then the stuff he says afterwards he's like, "Yeah, you should have seen your face. It was like you wanted to kill me." He's like, "But what you just experienced there was a near death experience. That's what it's like for me every day living knowing I'm going to die." Pretty pretty extraordinary, huh? <laughs> it's just like i'd have been i'd have been probably 80 percent done with this at that point yeah he mentions to aaron he said man you should have seen your face you look like you're ready to kill me i can see that you've got some murder in your heart but he he paints it as a good thing like aaron is finally 
reaching yeah. his potential almost. There, there's a little peach fuzz inside you yet. Oh, and something important to mention is he also asks him, is he at peace with every everyone? I can't remember what it was, but he says, I've got an X. And he goes, an X? You've got an X? And he's like, no, an X. Like, he's like, oh, I thought you meant like an X to grind or something. And yeah. they mentioned there was an X in the front yard. And he mentions, oh, yeah, I got an X. It's in the front yard. Yeah, he's like, I saw it. And he goes, yeah, did you? He's like, let me ask you something. Be honest. Did you think that when you saw that X, there was a little part of you that thought I was going to kill you with it? <laughs> and he goes, well, yeah, but, you know, I, I didn't know you or anything. He's like, you did think that? Oh, man, that's crazy. Anyway. <laughs> it, it is kind of crazy because if you're Aaron and you're taking this Craigslist job and you see an ax in a tree outside the house, that would go through everyone's head. I would think 100% of the time you'd say, man, this guy's got an ax just sitting in a tree. He might kill me with it. Yeah. If you're from that type of area, though, like, I mean, I grew up out in the woods where, you know, axes were just laying around uh, out and about. It looked like it was in the chopping position or something. So I, I wouldn't have probably thought too much of it. They do finally arrive at the Heart Rock. I didn't have very many favorite lines from this movie. I only had two. And one of them comes here, so I'll skip over it. But when they get to the Heart Rock, it's actually this hole in a rock that's in the form of a heart. It kind of looks like the hot tub from Dumb and Dumber when Harry and Lloyd are sitting in that heart-shaped hot tub. Yeah. I, I expected the two of them to get down in there, but they actually didn't in this movie. I, I almost yeah. convinced myself that they did. When I watched it a year ago, I was like, oh, I can't wait for that hot tub scene, but they actually don't do it. Yeah, I kept thinking that he was going to go down and like dip himself in the, in the heart shape with the water at the bottom, but they don't really do that. But this is, a, this is an important little scene because... I think it starts to reassure Aaron that it's not that bad. Like he takes his shoes off and dips his toesies in the water. Uh, as he says, purify those toesies. And, and uh, so I think at the end of this, they kind of do a hug thing and they found their, their destination. Joseph has led him there and it's like, Oh, okay. Not everything this guy says is bullshit. So Aaron starts to kind of trust him a little bit. He's still not, he's still not completely on his side, but he, at least Joseph has sort of kind of come through with one of the things he said. Yeah, I think so too. I think this was a bonding moment <laughs> for the two of them before yeah. they hugged. They almost baptized each other with the water. They did some kind of weird symbols on their bodies and then they hug afterwards, almost like they baptized. Joseph does like a cross on Aaron and then Aaron caps the water and does like the five points of the chakra or something on him. And so it's meant to be purifying. But Joseph scratches J plus A into the rock. Creepy. Is it creepy though? Because his yeah. wife's no, his his wife's name is Angela. Oh, so, okay. I thought it was pretty obvious that it was Joseph and Aaron. Yeah, well, the whole time you're kind of getting the vibe that Joseph is almost seeking out a homosexual relationship with Aaron. Not, not really, but he's so friendly that it wouldn't surprise you if he did seek something sexual out of Aaron by the end of this visit. Yeah, I don't get that vibe from him, but at the same time, you just never know what to expect with him, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he, he's just a weird dude. But Aaron doesn't think anything of the J plus A because I think he thought the A was Angela. 
But I do think you're right. I think it's actually meant to be Aaron. Yeah. Well, they leave the Heart Rock, and they go to a local diner. And here, Joseph asks Aaron to reveal his most embarrassing moment. He puts the camera on Aaron, and then Aaron tells this story of how he used to pee his pants when he was a kid. And his parents put this sensor in his pants to go off whenever he would pee his pants. Is that even a thing? I was going to ask you the same thing. Is that a real thing? And why would you ever put that on your kid? How embarrassing. Yeah, so he said there was a thing attached to his wrist, uh, his watch on his wrist. It ran down his arm, under his shirt, into his pants. And anytime it detected wetness, it would start beeping. So I was just like, I've never heard of a device like this. And also, why would you have a device like this? Yeah, I don't think that's a real device. It's just now, like I've... people say that they can put that certain chemical in a pool. So whenever you pee in the pool, it comes out like red or green. Oh, that's an old wives' tale. I've yeah. Peed, I've, I've pissed in every pool I've ever been in. <laughs> Me too, and it's never come out red. So I think yeah. it's bullshit. But I, it's still in the back of my head. I keep think, I always think about it when I pee in the pool. <laughs> well, Joseph reveals that his most, well, not his most embarrassing moment, but a moment that he's ashamed of is earlier in the day when Aaron first arrived at his house, Joseph was actually hiding in the woods and took his picture from a distance. So he was essentially spying on Aaron. And he says, I'm sorry, I didn't know you. I wanted to get to know you. And I wanted to ask for your forgiveness. He says that I thought, I I don't know why I did it. I guess I thought, you know, I was scared about you coming up. And I thought that if I got to know you first before you came in, then I wouldn't be as scared. So even though it's a super creepy thing to do, he has sort of a what seems to be an earnest justification of it. And he's being vulnerable and admitting that he was scared of Aaron. So that immediately kind of puts Aaron off guard, I think, at the same time. Well, for me, we talked about it earlier. This is the moment that I would leave. Whenever he says I was spying on you when you came up and showed you pictures, uh, you know, he had taken pictures of Aaron when Aaron was walking up his steps, that's when I would go. Because at this point, you've already got the money. You've recorded him doing the bath time, doing the heart rock thing, and you've done a full day's work. I don't think it needs to go any further if you're, you know, the employee, Aaron here. Yeah, I could, I could, I could justify leaving at this point, but damn, damn Joseph just seems, he seems just like a lost soul that needs a friend. And I think that's kind of what keeps Aaron around is the fact that he seems so innocent and friendly. And even though he's misguided and strange and doesn't uh, understand boundaries at all, he, uh, he there's still something in Aaron that makes him say, this guy is not actually a bad person. Yeah, he, he still trusts Joseph in a way. So the, the two of them now go back to Joseph's house. And Aaron says, all right, man, I'm done for the night. I'm going to head back into town and sleep in the hotel. But Joseph insists that Aaron stays and has a whiskey with him. And it takes a, it takes a few minutes, but he eventually does talk Aaron into staying and having a drink. Now, here's where I would have insisted on leaving. Yeah, this so is the fatal I, mistake. Yeah, yeah, the fatal mistake. Don't go up there and have a drink. There's nothing good's going to happen at that point. Just... It's dark. The day's over. You've done your job. Just be like, insist upon leaving at this point. And I think a lot of this movie depends. 
is is riding on the fact that this character keeps doing the wrong thing and we as the audience member in that classic horror film sense are all questioning what are you doing get out of there go no don't go back what just leave yep. you know but he doesn't see it from the audience point of view he sees it from Aaron's point of view so he he decides one whiskey all right and that's enough yeah, I think Aaron is a decidedly good guy to the point where it's detrimental. I always tell my wife, you know, she is such a nice person that if she sees someone broken down on the side of the road, she'll stop with a car full of kids and try to help them out. And I'm like, listen, you're going to get yourself killed one day. You know, stop being so damn nice to everybody and, <laughs> and just try to survive your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just being a friendly, good person. That's actually, we need more of that. But <laughs> I could understand you as the father of your children, the husband, your wife don't want her doing that. But, you know, she's probably not in a bunch of danger doing that. I've read way too many serial killer stories. And the number exactly. one they use <laughs> No, is... stop right there. No. Stop right there. You've read way too many serial killer stories. You know, Ted Bundy got all of his victims by someone stopping to help him. So just... You know, mind your business and don't help people unless you know them. Yeah, fuck your neighbor. Don't help your neighbor. Yeah, fuck your neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) Let's put the serial killer industry out of business is what I'm trying to do. Well, I'm just saying it's probably the chances of it happening are not that high. But I guess if you want to if you want to be absolutely safe, definitely don't stop and help out. Yep. Well, you, Aaron, and my wife, all with the same thought process here. <laughs> would, have, would have fallen victim to Joseph in a heartbeat. Yeah. Aaron goes up and, and has a drink with Joseph. While they're drinking, Joseph gets Aaron to admit fully here that he does have money problems. And I think this is why Aaron stays as long as he does, is because he truly does need the money. And we don't have to know his whole backstory to know that if he's a freelance videographer, the guy's not rich. You know, he's probably just barely getting by. As, you know, freelance work is tough. Yeah, and if you're searching for work on Craigslist, yeah, yeah, you're probably you probably need money. So And so yeah. Aaron Aaron says, Yeah, you know, I'm doing okay, but Joseph sees right through it. He says he wants to give him even more money. And so he's kind of tithing Aaron to him financially. And now he opens up and tells Aaron a very disturbing story. And the story goes, I'll, I'll kind of put it in a nutshell, but he says that he was on his computer one day and it seemed very slow. So he opened up his browser history and found a bunch of animal porn on there. And since he and his wife were the only people that used the computer, he knew that his wife had been looking at animal porn. So he didn't bring it up to her. And instead... <laughs> He brought her up to the cabin, which is where he's telling the story to Aaron is in this cabin. Mm -hmm. And he says he told his wife he had to go down into town to do some work. But actually what he did was he went down and he bought the peach fuzz mask from a thrift store. And then he snuck back into his house, broke into the window and raped his wife while dressed as peach fuzz, the wolf. Yeah. Yeah. And this is after this is when Aaron was trying to leave. He takes the one shot and he gets a, a short, quick cut of, of Joseph's final assumption for his son. And he, he's like, all right, well, it's time to leave. And I'm, I'm gonna, just going to go. And then really quick, Joseph goes, I lied to you. 
And that's, that's when he comes over and makes him turn off the camera, but we still have the audio and he tells the story. And that's, that's to me where it really starts to turn into something where it's like, Oh, this guy's desperate to get him to stay. He's really trying to keep him around. Well, the, the raping his wife story. Now, well, yeah, the way I mean, that- obviously after he tells that story, I think we're even Joseph is, is ready to get out of there at that point. I think the way he's telling the story, he's implying that his wife didn't know it was him. But I'm thinking 100% of the time, you would know it was your husband. Yeah, as soon as you saw his penis, at least. <laughs> and she's, I assume she's seen his penis plenty of times, so that would be a real familiar penis. But also, I wanted to point out a discrepancy in his story. He says at the end of it, when we were finished, I left her tied up. And then when I came back the next morning... She acted like nothing had happened. And right there alone, if he left her tied up, she would have still been tied up the next morning when he got there. So unless she she escaped it, who knows how well he tied her up? Unless she escaped it, right. But if Aaron was listening closely to the details, he would probably be able to pick up that this was a bullshit story. Yeah, he could question it right there for sure. But rather than question it, Aaron finally does what any normal person would do. And he quickly wraps up the interview and he, he's in a big rush to leave and he's looking for his keys. He can't find his keys. It's obvious, you know, to he, to, to us as the audience, it's obvious to everybody that Joseph has hidden them in an effort to keep Aaron there. Yeah. And he even says something stupid. He says, don't look for your keys. It's dark right now and it's dark in this house. But tomorrow yeah. this house will be flooded with light. Yeah, tomorrow this house will be light switches. You can just turn yeah. On. There's lights on in there. Tomorrow this house will be flooded with natural light. We'll find them. He's like, just stay here. You're over point five, whatever point oh five. Uh, so if you get stopped, you're gonna get a DUI. It's like uh, this is a pretty obvious ploy to keep him there. But if you're Aaron in this spot, you know you're in severe danger. But all your cards are I'm in danger. <laughs> yeah, you're probably thinking in your head, I'm in danger. I'm in danger. But Joseph hasn't fully revealed all his cards here, and neither has Aaron. So they both on the surface have to play along like everything's okay. But they both know what what's really teeming under the surface, and that is that Aaron is in severe danger at this point. Yeah. If nothing he's, else, he's being trapped against his will. And he's dealing with a very psychotic person that's actually quite twisted so in a one-on-one scenario like this you have to start thinking about physicality and and fighting and what would happen in a confrontation and i couldn't help but notice here with the camera set on the table and the two of them on screen at the same time aaron is about a foot taller than joseph i mean he's considerably taller than joseph yeah but he's definitely comes off as like a sissy type of dude he's not he doesn't seem like a tough guy no, he's not a tough guy. He is a smart guy, though, and we'll get to his plan to escape this after the break. <laughs> so now, in an attempt to escape, Aaron's only, only way to really get through this is to play along with Joseph. So he offers him another whiskey, as he calls it. Let's have a couple of whiskeys. Two guys having whiskeys. And Aaron prepares them. And you can see he's got his back turned to the camera. And 
he's obviously tampering with the drink. Mm-hmm. It it's revealed later on what he puts in there, but we don't really know just yet. Which I have an issue with. This is one of my continuity issues with the film. Because well, where did he get the roofies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and not also, sure where. He, I guess he had them on him or something. I don't know. Well, also later he says, "I found the bottle of this, and it doesn't really match what he put in the drink." It was uh, Benadryl, wasn't it? Yeah. He... he says, I found the bottle of Benadryl. It's like he definitely just didn't have a bottle of anything. He just put a small pill of Benadryl maybe in there. Isn't Benadryl those, those really small pills you take for car sickness that make you sleep? It's for allergies. Benadryl is like an allergy thing, but it makes you drowsy. But you can get it in a bottles. Like, I mean, the pills come in a bottle, but also the bottles have like it's a liquid drink. The drink he pours for Joseph is so full that he seemingly put a liquid in there, right? It wouldn't if you just yeah, put a but, pill in there, you could have put it into a small amount of whiskey and it would have well, dissolved. I think, I think he was just trying to give him a bunch of whiskey, but still he definitely just puts some like pill or dust in there. And I, I don't know how a bottle of Benadryl, if he got it from there, there was already a bottle of Benadryl there, but did he have a bottle of Benadryl on him? Like how would he have noticed a pill was missing? Yeah, that's that's true. I didn't know where he got them or why he left them, and they didn't really feel the need to go into that either. So I'm with you. That is that is a minor continuity error, and there's another one relating to this right up ahead. But for now, he does roofie Joseph, and Joseph says, ah, this whiskey even, it tastes kind of funny. And within seconds, he falls asleep on the fireplace hearth. And while he's sleeping there, Aaron is filming him, making sure that he's totally out before he tries to find his keys. And and Joseph starts reaching into his pants and masturbating, and he smiles in yes. his sleep, and he says, Oh, oh peach, peach fuzz. fuzz. Oh, peach fuzz. <laughs> yeah. So do you Very... think that Joseph is actually the one with the animal fetish? Is, <laughs> yeah, is that why he says, Hi, peach fuzz, in his sleep? Well, we later find out that the, the story that he gave him is not, not true, so... Yeah, he, he's got some infatuation with the peach fuzz or animals or something. The whole thing has like a, 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 a sexual undertone, like something something sexual about it, but not overtly. I don't know. It's weird. It is very weird. And that scene is weird because it, it just ends. And then Aaron is still looking for his keys. He finally reaches in Joseph's pocket. And instead of finding the keys, he finds Joseph's cell phone which immediately starts ringing. So Aaron runs out of the room and answers it. And he says, Angela, because Angela is the name of Joseph's wife. So he thinks that he can find some answers from Joseph's wife. But Angela instead reveals, and this is the big twist or one of the first twists. She's not Joseph's wife. She's actually Joseph's sister. And that Joseph is very dangerous. And Aaron is in danger by being in his presence. Yeah, she, 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 well, she doesn't reveal that he's dangerous as much as she says, you need to get out of the house right now. My brother has, has some, some problems. And that's when he's like, your brother. Yeah. And so, but she's, she's like, okay, where is he now? All right. Where are you now? Give me the address and just leave the house immediately. Yeah, and this is the ultimate red flag now. Once you've heard this, oh if yeah, I, if I'm Aaron, my bones just chill. Right, I get goosebumps on my bones whenever she says that. 
Well, and to be fair, he does pretty much try to leave right after this. Oh, yeah. He freaks out. He gets up. He walks in the room where Joseph was sleeping. And here's the other continuity error for me. If Joseph was drugged heavily enough to pass out like that, how did he just get up and walk away within a few seconds? Yeah, that was something that I was wondering about because it was like, was he that drugged or? Was he faking the whole time? Yeah, was he faking it? Well, it's a tense scene now because Aaron is wandering around the house that he's unfamiliar with looking for Joseph, and he keeps popping around corners expecting Joseph to scare him. He eventually walks outside onto a patio, and there Joseph pops out and scares him. But now the overly enthusiastic version of Joseph is gone, and it's this morose, kind of almost dead-inside look on his face. And it's, again, a very good job of acting by Mark Duplass here. He is very unsettling as he stares at Aaron and he talks about existential crisis and how his death is going to be horrible and how life is meaningless and a big nothing. Yeah, and he doesn't want to die and he starts crying and and hugs Aaron and Aaron says, "I know. I know you've I know you've got some issues and why don't you just give me the keys and then we'll go from there. We'll figure it out." And as soon as he mentions that and he starts to say your sister Angela told me, and as soon as he says that, Mark just bolts, or I mean, uh, uh, so, Joseph, Joseph just bolts through the door and down the stairs like he's just trying to get away or something. This is probably the second or third time now that Joseph has bolted away from Aaron to the point where it's become thematic for the character. And there is yeah. something, it's simplistic, but it is unsettling about Joseph just someone that's willing to sprint away from you and hide from you. I don't know. It's something it's weird, but it's, it's a nice touch that they were able to add to this to make it kind of creepier. Yeah. And and to me, I was trying to justify what Joseph's character was doing. So at that point, he must've known the jig was up that he no longer could really lie because his sister gave him up on the phone. And so now he's, just kind of got to resort to the most drastic tactics. Yeah. And the most drastic tactic for him now is to run downstairs. Aaron slowly walks after him. And when he gets to the bottom of the stairs, Joseph is standing there with the peach fuzz mask on and he's blocking the door. He's got his arms stretched out over the door as to not let Aaron leave. This is the scene that stuck with me. And it was the scariest moment in the movie because if you think, man, he seems like a normal guy, but when he puts that mask on and he stops talking and he starts just using the head gestures, it becomes very, very scary and creepy. Creepy is the, the word. Yeah. Yep. It's super creepy because he's got this mask on and he's not saying anything. He's just kind of like making animal growl noises and nodding or shaking his head or whatever, just... Because Aaron's asking him stuff. He's like, what are you doing? What are, are you just trying to scare me? And then he's like slowly nodding in the mask. And then he starts gyrating his hips against the door. And that's when Aaron completely freaks out and decides to get physical and force his way through the door. Yeah, he's gyrating his hips and growling. And Aaron says, stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. And then finally he rushes at him and the camera cuts here. So what do you think happened in this fight? Do you think he just bull rushed him and ran out the door? Yeah, I think so. I think he, like, think there was sort of a scuffle and he gets past him and leaves and runs away from there. 
no chance that Peach Fuzz held him down and raped him here. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is implied of that sort. Uh, so I'm going to say no. But I, I I get the fan theory you're hinting at here. Okay. Well, I mean, they, you know, they they seem to have a love for each other and a, a connection. So, you know. Maybe. Well, Joseph does for Aaron. Aaron doesn't for Joseph. <laughs> All right. I'm not even going to try. It's not much of a theory. <laughs> no, yeah, that'd be a hard one to prove. There's just no, there's nothing that points to that. Well, once the camera cuts, Joseph is dragging these two bags of, well, it looks like it could be trash, but specifically, I think you're meant to think that it's body parts in these yeah. bags and he's digging a grave. So it's a little MacGuffin for the audience there. You think, Oh God, Joseph killed Aaron and now he's disposing of the body. But then it's yeah. revealed that actually it's just a video that Joseph has sent to Aaron and Aaron is now back at his own home. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the worst spot ever to choose to dig a grave. <laughs> it's on the side of a hill. It's like dry, dusty dirt. It's just that was what I kept thinking when I was seeing that. I was like, what a bad spot to, to dig a grave. Well, Joseph dug this grave and sent this video to Aaron as a way to intimidate him. I guess he was upset about being bull rushed and having his victim escape. And for Aaron's credit, he throws away the video that Joseph sent and he says, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done with all of it. But yeah, but he says, but he does reveal he's like, he, well, he's got my address, which is a little disconcerting. Yeah. And he can't fully be done with it because he reveals that he's been having bad dreams about peach fuzz and about Joseph, which reminds me, I have to ask you something here. What would you say is a synonym for bad dreams? Nightmares. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, God. I was giving, I, I've been, giving, I've been giving you the benefit of the doubt for the last two weeks. We've every time I'm record, I'm I'm editing these last couple podcasts, and every time the word nightmares comes up, you keep saying nightmares. How, nightmares? how do you? How do you think this word is spelled? It is, it's it's <laughs> night, it's nightmares. It's not night nightmares. No, not, nightmare on Elm Street. It's yeah, just the way I pronounce it. Okay, <laughs> potato, potato. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. <laughs> no, it's a nightmare. Uh, nightmare so on Elm funny. Street. This was the defining moment. I was like, all right, if he says night nightmare. I can't believe you set me up like this. Oh, it was so great. This is too, horrible. You fell right into it. It's it's nightmare season on Halloween for Scott. Nightmare. Nightmare. Yeah, I say nightmare. Fuck uh, you. I'm not changing how I say it. I say yeah. nightmare. You mispronounce every fucking actor in every fucking movie we do, and you're gonna set me up. This is just a projection because you're uh, angry that you mispronounce all these actors' names. Nightmare is a common word. It's not a name. It's it's just a word. Nightmare. 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 Mare, mere, mare, mere, mare. Yeah, I need it. I just say it. I just say it like a hillbilly. Nightmare. That's such bullshit. I quit. Uh, it was so fun. Turn the podcast off. I'm done. No, I, I, actually, we might be done because that was my magnum opus right there. I just got you so good. I you fell right into it. You just you just showed your your you just projected your biggest weakness. 
Like, I don't ever fucking harp on you for fucking up every one of these actors' names. And you're going to set me a trap for a nightmare because I say nightmare? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I did, and I, I am, and I did. That's right. That's pretty fucking low. I hope yeah. you feel real good. I'm pretty happy about it, yeah. No, you're not. You hurt. You hurt inside. I'm uh, sorry. Well, speaking of sorry, Aaron is having some nightmares about, Shut <laughs> about, up. about Joseph and Peach Fuzz. And I guess here's where I got the idea that the two of them were in a hot tub because that's what Aaron dreams about is the two of them are in this hot tub. But instead, Joseph is wearing the Peach Fuzz mask and he is wearing a baby Peach Fuzz mask. So he's a baby wolf and Joseph is the Papa Wolf and they're swimming in a pool of blood in his dream. Yeah, and it's a callback to the scene where he was uh, give, given his pretend son a bath in the uh the tubby yeah they were doing tubby time and the heart rock at the same time in this dream so aaron can't fully let it go because it's still haunting his dreams and nightmares <laughs> anyway anyway listen I, I i'm gonna do some research on this uh, how to pronounce nightmare like a like a horse like a yeah, like a exactly bear? like that yeah just like a horse nightmare nightmare pronunciation i can't believe you're even googling this i think it's probably a common uh pronunciation that's how i've always heard it said nightmare my nightmare nightmare on elm street yeah (laughs) no no it's not (laughs) pronunciation nightmare shit Thank you, Siri. Yeah, well, that's fucking Siri. She doesn't pronounce it like real humans. I'm not changing the way I fucking say it. So No, just... I, I, I want you to continue to say Nightmare. I like it. Yeah, Nightmare. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, that's how we say it where I'm from. That's right. I don't know how you city folks say it. Not like that. Yeah. Well, Aaron now receives a package, another package. And this time, there is a knife in the box, a doll of a baby wolf, and a new video, apologizing for the last video. In the video, Joseph says he's sorry. He was angry at Aaron. He had found the Benadryl, and it was a clever way to escape. But he admits that he's got some problems, and he asks Aaron to look within himself and look within the wolf and find what their relationship truly means. So Aaron opens up the... Uh, the wolf doll with the knife he cuts it open and inside is a heart pendant with a picture of joseph and aaron so this has now become a stalker movie yeah well it's now become obvious that joseph is going to continue bothering him it's he's not going to let it he's not going to let him go it's not like he's just okay it's all over with and done with joseph still wants to continue whatever this weird relationship was What's your take on stalkers and stalking? Because to me, that is one of the scariest things that a person can do to another person. It's one of the easiest ways that you could ruin someone's life. Sure. Yeah, it's extreme harassment. It's not only extreme harassment, but it's just so frightening. I mean, of course, it's extreme harassment, but it's this unending amount of fright. Because even when they're not actively stalking you, 
it's the fear of them watching you or knowing your whereabouts. Yeah, yeah. Never escapes that, you. The, the fear that they're always around. Yeah, it's like because he even calls the cops and tells them about this, and the cops are like, "Well, what can we do? We don't. You don't know his name. You don't know if that's his real name. You don't know his last name. You don't know where he lives. What is it? What What are the cops going to do? He's like, "Can you come and take fingerprints or something?" It's like, no, this is not CSI. These are like local cops. So they're not going to dedicate an inordinate amount of money to helping because the other person hasn't really done anything uh, worthy worthy of being arrested. Yeah, he hasn't broken really any law. He just sent him some weird shit in the mail. Yeah, I don't think in real life, I'm not sure that there's anything that the police could do. They obviously can't send someone out to stake out every house of someone who claims they're being stalked or harassed so in this case without any real evidence i think aaron truly would be on his own and he is here yeah so as the audience now we see joseph has set up a camera while he's sleeping and he's awakened by loud noises outside he jumps out of bed he turns on all the lights he gets the knife that joseph had sent him he starts yelling out around the house, telling the intruder or, or, you know, what he thinks is an intruder, that he's armed and ready to fight. Not very convincing here from Joseph, but as the audience and we're looking from the camera's point of view, we can actually see Joseph standing there on the other side of the door stalking Aaron. Yeah, that's super creepy. But very also, creepy. it's just like, how did he not notice it? He walked around to that side. I, I don't know. The way the house is set up, I guess he walks around because he doesn't come back through this door, but he grabs the camera. So there must be a way around it. And he kind of notices when he when Joseph leaves the window. So he said, what was that? And then he goes and chases him around, which is another point in the movie where I'm just like, what are you doing? Don't chase the scary person down the dark alley. Okay. well, they shot this scene in the suburbs. And so there were other houses all around. Would have been way creepier if it was in an isolated setting. If if Aaron had lived, say, out in the boonies, way creepier to be being stalked where there's no neighbors, no lights, no street lights. So they they missed an opportunity there. But with a budget of zero, I'm not going to hold it against them. Yeah. But also, if you're ever being stalked, don't yell out to your stalker, "Hey, I'm armed," because you're just giving yeah. away your location. Let it be known, I have a knife. <laughs> he says that and i'm just like well maybe next time if you're gonna incite fear let them know that you have a gun maybe or something. i don't know yeah. make it scarier than a knife that the stalker could be like oh he's only got a knife sweet i've got a gun well he does walk outside looking for the stalker he finds some trash overturned so he chalks the entire thing up to being raccoons and he goes home and goes back to sleep but then we see the camera lifted up and seemingly Joseph is holding the camera and watching a sleeping Aaron. And then he cuts off a lock of his hair while he's asleep. That's creepy. And I know yeah. you think, I know you think that's creepy because you have an aversion to people watching you while you sleep. Oh, definitely. We talked about this last year for the witch and hereditary and everything. All those yeah. scenes when someone's asleep and then there's just a shadowy figure standing over them. That's super creepy to me. Yeah. So a few days later now, Aaron had thought that everything was cool. He, he chalked the previous incident up to the raccoon, so he thought everything was over. But now he finds another DVD on his window ledge, which had been broken into from the outside. 
So feeling very unsafe, he pops the video in, and again, it's Joseph. He expresses anger and heartbreak because he found the gifts that he gave Aaron in the trash, and he goes yeah. back to the suite, you know, the uh, outgoing version of Aaron. Or I'm, I'm, I keep switching. But, it's Joseph, not Aaron. Yeah, and he says he says that it's wrong. He, he was like, he he was wrong. You were right. Our relationship was built on lies, and let me tell you the truth now. And he does give what I feel is the truth in this part because he says, you know, I I thought I'd get into acting and that would like cure my my whatever it was I wanted, but that wasn't real enough for me, and it and it didn't get me off enough. So this is kind of like he drops some sexual reference a little bit there, which makes me start to add this together in the end. But yeah, he comes clean essentially and clean to the, they, not to the fact that he's a murderer, just that he says he needs a friend. He's burnt all his bridges, his sister, his family, his father, his mother or whatever. They don't, they, he can't talk to them. He just needs a friend and he, and he wants to meet Joseph. Yep. And or he is- wants to meet Aaron. Yeah, you're doing it too now. You're getting them backwards too. But you're right. That's exactly what he does. He appeals to Aaron's good nature and he basically just lays it all out there. He says, yeah, man, I'm lonely. I've been doing this my whole life and I just want one last chance to meet with you. We'll do it in a public place in the daytime so you'll be perfectly safe and I want to talk things out with you and we can resolve everything. And it is convincing, but despite all this, if I'm Aaron, there's no way I'm going to that meeting. Daytime oh, hell no. Hell no. I'm calling the cops and I'm giving them all these videos and being like, look, here's his face. This is what he's doing. You've got to do something. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not playing this game anymore. Yep. And that's the second time that Aaron has let his good nature get the best of him. And this oh, time, yeah, because he immediately says, oh, look, at he's so sad. You know, he has he has like sympathy for this guy that's creating hell in his life. I don't understand it. He pauses the DVD on a moment when he is looking specifically sad. So it's easy to see why he was able to get that. But I've already told I'm when it comes to shit like that, I'm not given a second chance or in this case, a third chance. If anyone breaks into my house while I'm asleep, oh hell no! It's just no, not happening. I'm done. Like I'm done. If I see that guy on site, I'm fucking whooping his ass or shooting him or whatever, whatever I got to do. Physically, I'm going to attack this person if I see him again. Yeah, that would be the only reason to go to the meeting would be to attack and beat this guy to the point where he stops messing with you. But Aaron doesn't have it in him, so instead he goes to the meeting place. He does, as a precautionary measure, set up his camera, and he puts 911 on speed dial on his phone. So he goes and sits on this beautiful park bench. Well, the park bench isn't beautiful, but the view of the lake that he's overlooking is. Mm. And and at first, he's looking over his shoulders and looking around, but then he seems to just kind of get entranced on the view and stares off into the distance. And we watching from the camera perspective, they really draw this scene out and they build it, but it's, it's really nicely done. You can see Joseph walking up in a trench coat behind Aaron, really creepily and slow, tiptoeing on, and then he stops just before his shadow reaches Aaron. He slowly pulls an axe out of his trench coat, 
and then well, Vera, first he first first he puts on the the, the um, mask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he puts on mask. he he puts on Peach Fuzz mask first. We we still don't see the ask, axe. If you're rewatching it, you can kind of see him drop it to his side, but you don't know that an axe is there or anything dangerous. You just see him in a trench coat and he pulls out the mask and we think, oh great, he's gonna scare him again. But he does not just scare him. He instead pulls the axe out and then he swings it like one of those strongman contests at the carnival when you well, do the straight it, down swing. And he loads it up so slowly. It's like a big, yeah, like a big super strong over the shoulder. And we're still, I, at this point, I'm still thinking in my head, no, he's not going to do it. No, but he's of course, scaring Of course, I know he is going to do it. <laughs> but, it. But it's just like so cartoonish. He's got the wolf mask on and the, the axe way back over his head like he's got a big swing. <laughs> it's like a cartoon. It is very cartoonish. And he, he brings the, the axe down. He kills Aaron. He gets a few other swipes in for good measure. The camera cuts out on the second when he goes to hit the second swipe. But Aaron is definitively dead from these yeah. axe blows to the head. The first shot would have been enough because you hear a sickening thud as the, as the axe sinks into his skull and he just flops over. Yeah, he's dead. And what an effective climax for a movie with, with no special effects budget, no you know no budget at all, in a classy way that looked realistic still. The climax is the whole reason to watch this movie because, to be honest, everything else is just weird, strange, and not super exciting or even super engaging. Like, it's not, it's just kind of like you're, you're just waiting to see what's going to happen. And then when it finally does happen, that's the big payoff. That's what makes this movie worth watching, I think, because yeah. all, all the rest of the shit is like, whatever. It's like, okay. But that payoff is my wrong. Well, so after the murder, we go to the video and Joseph is recording a video of his own talking about the murder of Aaron. And he asks Aaron, you know, post-death, he says, Aaron, why didn't you turn around? You know, if I was meeting me at this place, I would have turned around. Just seems so dumb. Yeah. (laughs) And he chalks it up to, he says, you know, I don't think you're dumb. I don't think you're a bad person. In fact, I think you're a good person. I think you're the best person. And you believed me and you trusted me. And because of that, that makes you my favorite victim. And then he puts the DVD of, of, them, of Aaron's Of them death. all. Yeah, favorite victim of them all. And he places the tape of Aaron next to dozens of other tapes. So it's kind of revealed here that Joseph is a serial killer and has done this many other times. And even while he's going to place the disc up in his library, we hear him on the phone uh, talking and setting up his next meeting. Yeah, so it's $1,000, and pretty much you just got to bring yourself and your camera, and that's it. And so he's setting up his next meeting with somebody else, and then he opens his little cabinet, and he has all these home videos between DVDs and uh, VHS they're labeled with people's names. And then this one is Aaron with a heart and he puts it up there. Yeah. Do you think you really love Darren the most? Or do you think he's just saying that you think he says about all his victims? Uh, I feel like because Aaron's the main character of the story that yes, we should believe that he's the greatest of them all, but who knows? 
Well, they, they put that call at the end to set up for a sequel, which I actually watched today. And I won't review it now, but I will say it's very different than this. And I'll just give a quick rundown. I think you would like the sequel because in the sequel, this time Joseph puts the ad out and this girl answers. And her her job is that she does all these weird Craigslist requests. So she goes to someone else and like pretends to be their daddy and diaper fantasies and all these weird things. So when she gets up to Joseph's house, he admits that he's a serial killer who has lost his edge and that he wants to film his final days before his suicide. And she goes completely along with it and feeds into his insanity and matches his insanity throughout the whole movie. She's like, oh, that's cool. Let's talk about it. This will be great content. So it's a very strange take on the movie. She's almost as bad as him. Well, that's, uh, that sounds interesting. It sounds worth a watch, at least. It was worth a watch. And not, probably not a review, but I think you may have liked that one better than you even liked this first one. If you even liked the first one. Yeah, I mean, when I first watched it, I was just like, "Ugh, what the fuck am I watching?" Like, like I didn't even know what to say. I was just like, "Okay, it's it's pretty unexciting through the majority of the film. It's just weird, and because it's weird, it's entertaining. So it does keep you entertained in the sense that you want to know what's going to happen next." But it doesn't exactly keep you entertained in the sense that there's exciting stuff going on. So the film's pretty boring, uh, to be honest, until the end. And then yeah. at the end, and then at the end, it pays off tenfold. Like I don't, I don't know if I can agree with boring, but on a second watch after seeing it the first time, I would agree with that because mm-hmm. you've already you know learned all the twists and you know what the end game is. So it's just like, yeah, when are we going to get there? But the build up was pretty nice the first time. I thought. Yeah, but no, but that's my problem with the beginning is I knew what was coming throughout the whole film. And it was not like a twist. The ending wasn't a twist. The, the, the payoff at the ending was the fact that it gave you exactly what you thought you were going to get. So I think that, that was the, the, the big payoff. Like we didn't know exactly how we were going to get there, but we knew we were going to get there. And the way that he does it in the end is with the axe just at the end. And in, in, in broad daylight, they're in a park. There's houses up on the hills all around. And I'm thinking, how did nobody see this? Like, you wouldn't expect that area to, to be where you got killed out in a public setting like that. And he just comes out and <laughs> sticks an axe in his head and ends it right like that. Yeah. Well, we're, our grades will probably reflect a mediocre score. And this is a mediocre movie, but when you consider the the amount of money and effort that went into making this, I think you have to show some respect to the directors just for that, you know, just for the level of creativity. Yeah, the creativity, the creativity and the originality do make it do make it a cut above what it probably should be. Uh, I think that and they're even like pioneering on a genre called mumblecore i believe what yeah mumble they call it mumblecore which is like improvised mumble like dialogue uh um horror or mumble horror whatever they 
<clears throat> but these guys were, this movie was one of the first of its kind that sort of did that. And then some other movies started to do it after that. And so they didn't they, write down their lines. Is that what you're saying? They just kind yeah, of yeah, no, it's, the scenes. The, it's the, the entirety of the movie is improvised. Yeah, well, that's kind of neat. Well, you can tell these guys are probably pretty deep friends in real life. The two of them. I mean, it's just the two of them that made this movie as, as buddies. And Mark Duplass, yeah. if nothing else, is already famous. So the way I envision this going down is the two of them got together and they're like, hey, man, let's take a month off of filming our real projects and just make this movie and see how it does. And That's probably how it came about. And they made a bunch of money off of it. And it did in that sense, it, it pioneered sort of something that, that I, apparently other movies are, have done since this. And it, it uh, they also were um, doing something similar to that in a, in another genre before the horror stuff. So this is this is something that they were kind of had been workshopping in this style they've been trying to do, and it it plays it makes an it makes an it makes a movie that's not great but it's certainly entertaining you know like it it, it entertained me I guess throughout the yeah, whole thing. The comparison I would make is if you're a career minor league baseball player and you hit 250 in the minors your whole life. But then one day you get called up to the bigs in September and you just randomly hit a home run, a solo shot in a meaningless game. Yeah. But, then you yeah. Ne- then you never get back. Then you get sent back down. Yeah, so no one will remember you and you didn't achieve anything that hasn't been achieved before. But the fact that you weren't expected to do anything and then you just yeah. came through there, I, I like that. I respect that. Yeah. And that's probably the big reason I wanted to film the, or review this movie is just because – I would I would like to imagine how fun it was for these two to make it and any amount of success has to be viewed as an achievement for them. Yeah, well it's definitely different it's different than anything else we've reviewed for sure and it uh you know I'm glad that you came out the end there and claimed this for your movie because I did not claim it. I said <laughs> I specifically said No, you said this, this is, is why my movie. Well, you just said this is why you wanted to do this movie. I did pick this movie. That's true. Yeah, well, be- I, I would have never watched this movie without your uh, without you recommending it. And I don't want to say I'm glad that I watched it, but I I did watch it, and it didn't take away from my life, at least. Uh, yeah. I'm reminded I'm reminded of uh, Bill the Butcher from Gangs in New York. You are like lukewarm water in my mouth. And since you are neither hot nor cold, I will spew you. Well, I'm going to be doing a lot of that. Now that we're doing this new format where I just get to pick a movie every other week that I want, I'm going to use it to make you watch movies that I think you'll, you'll think are lukewarm, just to, just to dig at you. Well, this was a lukewarm movie, so congratulations. Great job on the mediocrity. Thank you. You can continue <laughs> to pick all-time classics, and I'll pick, <laughs> I'll pick Indie Darlings. Yeah, no, I'll just pick stuff that we actually have to think about. You keep picking home videos. Yeah, we'll do a we'll do a nice simple one for me. You want to do the Blair Witch next? I love the Blair Witch. So maybe... I didn't get I didn't get enough motion sickness from this movie. Oh come on! All right, well before we get to your mediocre grade of this movie, did you write down any favorite lines from Creep? Oh, I did have a couple. Uh, how's your heart, Aaron? Aaron says good. Better be. <laughs> I just I don't know why I, I dug that line for some reason. 
Uh, oh, when he's talking about money problems, he says, when I was your age, I didn't have a row to hoe. <laughs> and I'd never, I'd never heard that. And I was like, okay. All right. uh, there's only two people that use that internet. I was not looking at animal pornography. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's talking about the wolf. And he's like, and quite frankly, they murder the things they love. And yeah, sometimes they murder those things. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the wolf comparison. How how he always had this wolf ideology and everything was wolf symbology and stuff. I kind of like that. Yeah, wolf. Well, the wolf was a symbol. I mean, and and sort of, yeah. It's like the wolf hunting his prey throughout the whole film. So there's definitely some symbolism going. Also, <clears throat> just the the. The idea of like, uh, I was thinking maybe it's a metaphor for don't go back to abusive ex or exes or something like that because no matter no matter how much this guy Joseph keeps doing, and no matter how horrible he is, Aaron just keeps giving him the benefit of the doubt and letting him back in. It's like this is a great lesson. Just to, once you find out somebody's a horrible toxic person, just get out of there. Don't go back. Yeah, don't go back. And then also the strange sexual release at the end where he's talking, where he's talking about, and he's reviewing the film and we're seeing him kill Aaron. And he's like, he's like breathing deeply and he seems much more calm and relaxed. And it seems like he finally got his rocks off. Oh yeah. That's a real common thing among serial killers. A lot, a lot of killers masturbate to thoughts of their, their kills and they'll only kill again whenever it's not enough anymore. Like they need new spank bank stuff. So they'll go kill again. That, you know, I've done a lot of research over serial killers in my life. And that's a very common thing. They, they actually get off from it. Man. Yeah. Uh, might I suggest just some like BDSM or something like that? You know, if you're trying to get your jollies, there's, there's people out there that'll do it. That you don't have to kill. Yeah. You don't have to kill. I'm with you. But did you have any other favorite lines? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, you had more than me, actually. I only had two this time. Mm. And the first one's not really a line. It's more of an exchange. It's when they're walking out to the Heart Rock, and Joseph says, Healing waters, here we come. And Aaron looks, and he sees this sewer pipeline thing sticking up out of the ground. He says, it says sewer pipeline. It's shit water. <laughs> yeah, shit water. And then Joseph says, well, it's something. Like, like He knows it's shit water, but he doesn't care. He's like, hey, well, who cares? We're still getting in it. Yeah. So that was weird. They're going swimming in some healing sewage. And then the Delicious. other one. Delicious. The other one, which is just kind of funny. He offers Aaron some food, and Aaron says no. And then they run up to the bathroom, and he starts <laughs> taking his clothes off, and his pubes are hanging out of his skin-tight spandex. And then he says to Aaron, are you sure you're not hungry? It's like, bro, if I wasn't hungry before I came up here and saw you mostly naked, then I'm still not hungry now. So I don't know why, but I thought it was funny that he offered him a sandwich while he's got his oh, yeah. hanging out. I did enjoy that. I was like, sure, you want a sandwich or something? Mid, mid getting naked. Yeah. So that's it. Those are my only two favorite lines. Yeah, it was not packed with uh, with – with great dialogue, but it, it definitely, you know, they were talking. They were. They did talk. Quite a bit. <laughs> they did talk throughout the whole movie. 
Well, then moving past our favorite lines, what kind of grade are we going to give, Creep? Well, I assume you want me to go first. Yeah, go ahead. It's rewatchable because of its originality and because of the payoff at the end to me. Uh, So that makes it worth taking a second look. Upon second look, it's the same thing upon first look. I feel like you're not going to dig any deeper. You're not going to find much under the surface of what's going on. So in that way, it's just like, okay, it is what I thought it was. And it's entertainment. Like, uh, for instance, it's like, it's like a, to me, it's like a, a junk food of movies. Like, yeah, uh, that's a good like comparison. I, yeah, like I got a bag of M&M popcorn. Uh, it was M&M, they were popcorn flavored or whatever. It just because when I was leaving the the soup or the the market or whatever, the gas station, I saw it on the shelf and I was like, "Oh, I'm kind of hungry and this looks tasty." And I ate like half of it and was like, "Eh, well, the chocolate is doing what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't really taste like popcorn and it's not really doing anything good for me and that's kind of how i feel about this movie like i don't know that it did anything good for me but it it did occupy an hour and 15 minutes of my life (laughs) hey at least (laughs) it was short sometimes that's what i'm saying it was at least it was short and sometimes that's just what you need so it's uh for the for the right time it's probably a good movie um so i'm gonna give it a 11 out of 20 because it's right above rewatchable i think but it's it's no further than that. Good, good grade there. Yeah. And before I give my grade, I don't want to bury the lead here. Are you saying that they make popcorn flavored M and M's, and I've never heard of this? Well, I just got them tonight. Today, I, I mean, I, I don't know if they must be new. They're like they're M and M's, but there's rice in the middle, and they're like popcorn flavor. I don't know. They're like uh, that sounds they pretty not, good. They weren't that they, good, you said. They were okay. They weren't great. They were an 11 out of 20. Well, I feel some shame that you beat me to discovering a new candy. I'm, I'm the candy king. I know. I never eat candy. Yeah, that's Well, you don't have to brag and say you never eat candy. I don't. I hardly ever eat candy. I've seen you eat entire boxes of Milk Duds. Uh, milk Duds are kind of like... If I go to a movie, I'll eat Milk Duds. <laughs> oh, Milk Duds aren't candy. They, they no, Milk, milk Duds are milk candy, but... First of all, I never, I hardly ever go to the movies. The only time I eat Milk Duds is at the movies. All right. Well, moving beyond Milk Duds and my shame of not knowing about peanut or uh, popcorn. Un- unlike you, unlike you who are the candy monster, you have literally uh, candy for every, you know, in every compartment in your car probably. Yeah, I've got some candy. And knowing your dentist, he's complained about your candy issues. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you going to do? You only live once, man. I'm not going to spend it not eating candy. You only live once. You might as well rot your teeth out while you're here. That's right. Well, to get on to my grade, you summed it up almost exactly like I would have. It is a good movie. It's definitely not a great movie. It's not very good on rewatches. I enjoyed it the most the first time I watched it. Nothing special about the music, nothing special about the acting, really. I was impressed with Mark Duplass. Uh, knowing, knowing that it's improvised is, adds 
more respect to these guys' performance. Yeah. Particularly Mark Duplass. Because yeah. Aaron Aaron doesn't do much improvising that well. No, Aaron Aaron wasn't as good as Duplass, I don't think. But as a film, and as a film that we're reviewing, I can't say that this movie is really going to score very highly. And I wrote down the same score that you did. It's rewatchable, but just barely. And it's an 11 out of 20 for me as well. Nice. Man, we've been on the same page with grades. We're going to have to mix it up. Yeah, well, I thought that you would hate this movie, but, the, you know, it's, it wasn't a horrible movie, and I think your it's grade not. is fair. Yeah, it's not a horrible movie, but it's not a great movie. So, yeah, I think it's right in the middle there. I think it's pretty accurate for both of us. But next week, we're not going to have a mediocre movie. Or are we? Oh, not to me. I mean, we're going to watch a childhood classic. Like, I shaped a good portion of my life after this film. And it, and I, I rewatched it last night. And... It's not it's not perfect, but it is fucking spectacular, I think. And it's called SLC Punk. And it's basically uh, about uh, some guys that are punkers in the late 80s in Salt Lake City, Utah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't spoil the city. It's SLC. That's a common acronym for Salt Lake City. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think SLC stood for? Uh, uh, come on, it was funny. It was, give me a break here. It's funny. <laughs> Fuck you. You don't get any breaks. You, you, you gave me a nightmare of a podcast. <laughs> don't be such a nightmare of a partner and we won't have this. Jesus. How many times have you seen this movie? Uh, SLC Punk? Yeah, because I know we watched it on my couch falling asleep in the summer all the time. Uh, yeah, I've probably seen it five to ten times if not more, but I haven't seen it in at least 15 years. The last time I watched it was in college. And, and I was ha- still liking it. And the whole time you didn't know SLC stood for Salt Lake City? Oh, come on. It was a joke. I knew it stood for Salt Lake City. Give me a break. <laughs> Don't lie. It's not a joke. You're covering your tracks now. I'll fix it to where it doesn't seem <laughs> like it wasn't a joke. Oh, congratulations. You can edit it out. Great. That's right. Uh, I hope you edit out my nightmare fucking mis- oh, mispronunciation no. of that word. No, they're all going. All your night, your worst nightmares are confirmed. Now I'm going to make it a nightmare of yours because I'm going to say nightmare every fucking podcast from here on out. How about you give SLC Punk a fair review? Let's not have a repeat of Natural Born Killers where you, you painted it as this Titanic-esque masterpiece when, in fact, you just have a lot of nostalgia toward the movie. So let's, that was, let's be fair. I painted it accurately. You had bias against it because it was my movie. No, that's See, look at said. this. This was your movie, and I graded it exactly the same as you graded it. No bias whatsoever. No, you expected me to give it a higher score, and I was the one that was unbiased and given. I never said that. You. I never said I expected you to give it a higher score. Well, I'm sure you did, but I did. I always that. expect you to give it the score that I give it because that's the right score. Sometimes <laughs> you, sometimes uh, you deviate from that, though. Well, actually, we'll see, because I do like SLC Punk, and I really like Devin Sawa, who is in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Almost all my favorite movies from the 90s, so I think I'm going to enjoy this one. What was the one? Oh, we should do that one at some point. Uh, Final um, Destination. Final Destination. I I feel like that's a movie right up your alley, huh? Oh, I love Final. I own Final Destination. 
Yeah. He he was also in Little Giants and uh, there was something else that I liked him in too. I can't remember what it was. Oh, Casper. Well, yeah, Casper. I will I will say this movie uh, is chock full of a bunch of really good lines. Uh, as far as the story goes, though, I don't. Uh, there's there's some really moving parts of the movie, and it's it's more of like a historical thing to like view the punk scene and what was going on during the punk rock era of the 1980s. So it's cool. It's cool in that way, but I don't know if the story connects so much. Like rewatching it, I kind of saw some things that I could I could point out flaws. Then in that case. Next week will be SLC Punk. We'll say good night to Creep. And where should people email us? Email us at rancid taco pop. Oh fuck! You had it. Just email us at rancid taco podcast at gmail dot com. Yes, email us at rancidnightmares dot com. <laughs> <laughs> and may your worst nightmares come true. Hey, and and hail to your mother. Hey, you come from a place in the world where they call a creek a crick, okay? Don't fucking talk to me about mispronunciations. What do you say? What what's on the uh, the ceiling? Plaster? No, the the it starts with a R. Oh, roof. Yeah, roof. Everywhere in fucking Webster County, they call it a roof. Yeah, well, I, I don't talk like that. I don't say a roof. Rough a crick. So why are you fucking talking down about people that talk like that? You're not a man of the people, and that's your problem, Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man Whatever. of the people. I'm a man of the people, and I stay true to my roots. Okay. Or you can stay true and wrong as long as you want. That's fine. Oh my God, you stay. You stay so wrong all the time. Whatever. Do the right thing and hail your mother. I'll never forgive you for this podcast. This is irreparable damages. <laughs> Good. Good. Finally, I, I definitely won this podcast. Then, if I put you on life tilt, I definitely no. You didn't. You didn't win nothing. You just pissed me off. And hail mothers. And fuck you. <laughs> All right. Good. Then on that on that note, did you have anything else to add about? No, I never have anything to add. Creep. Damn it. Creep. Yeah. And I creep. Creep. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right. I'm so I'm so pissed off. I could just steam through for the rest of this podcast. I'm not, I don't even want to. I don't even want to. I'm not even going to say. I'm not even going to say my exit line. Your exit line is literally goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say it. You've burnt your last bridge, Mason Weir. All right. Well, then I'll say it for you. Thanks everybody for listening. Sweet dreams and good night. <laughs> Sweet nightmares. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Sweet nightmares and good night. <laughs> bye bye, y'all. Bye bye.
This podcast is brought to you by West Virginia Pepperoni Rolls.